Pentecost Sunday is the birth of the church. We are here because of Pentecost. And the church calendar has these days, these seasons that we roll around. And you might know the popular ones, Easter and Christmas. We've got some holidays on those days. That's nice, eh? But today we're sitting in one of the big church moments of the year, Pentecost Sunday. Uh, The reason it is a big deal is because today is the day the church was born. Today's the birthday of the church. Pentecost is the day the church started. And in your family, you might have some rhythms around important occasions. So when there's birthdays or anniversaries, certain things happen. And so during the church calendar, you know, for Christmas, we sort of revisit that story. And then for Easter, we revisit the story of Christ. This is the moment of revisiting the story together. This is a big moment. Pentecost Sunday is to draw us to the birth of the church. And how was it born? Oh, it was born of the Spirit. It was born by the Spirit. It wasn't born just because some people had a good idea. It was born because God breathed on it. And the church was born. We've been doing a series called Come Holy Spirit. As Dallas Willard says, we could rewrite that to the words, God, we want you here. And we've been looking at this for the month. We felt like this was an important journey to take as a community. We parked our series that we were going to do, and we went into this series for all of May, saying, well, when we get to Pentecost Sunday, that'll, that'll be the finish line. Today's the finish line. And the finish line today, I want to talk about how do we walk with the Spirit? We've been talking about people of desire. We've been talking about who the Holy Spirit is. Last week, Bron Tate came as our guest and talked about the importance of an empowered church. Today, I want to talk about, so how do we keep going? What do we have to kind of get loaded up in our mind and in our lives if we want to keep doing this for the long haul? Because friends, this is not just something that we do for a couple of weeks, and then we tick the box and move on. This is a lifestyle and a walk that we are trying to find together. And that's the invitation here at Central Vineyard. Come and pursue Jesus with us. And in pursuing Jesus, let's learn to walk by the Spirit. So I want to invite you to stand. And as we stand, we're going to read today's text. We're going to go to the words of Jesus himself. It's maybe not a passage that seems like it's very likely for talking about walking with the Spirit, but I I hope that as I connect some dots up soon, you'll see that it actually plays a really important part. So these are the words. This is the story of Jesus and Levi and the Pharisees. It goes like this. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector called Levi sitting at the tax office. Follow me, he said. And he left everything. He got up and followed him. Levi made a great feast for him in his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were there reclining at table. The Pharisees and the legal experts began to grumble to Jesus' disciples. Why do you not eat and drink, they asked, with tax collectors and sinners? Healthy people don't need a doctor, replied Jesus. It's sick people who do. I haven't come to call the righteous. I'm calling sinners to repentance. John's disciples often fast and say prayers, they said to him. And so do the Pharisees' followers, but your disciples eat and drink. Well, can you make the wedding guests fast, replied Jesus, while the bridegroom is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them. That's when they will fast. And then Jesus tells two parables. He added this parable. Nobody tears a piece of cloth from a new coat to make a patch on an old one. If they do, they tear the new and the patch from it won't fit the old one anyway. And nobody puts new wine into old wine skins. If they do, 
the new wine will burst the skins, it will go to waste, and the skins will be ruined too. You have to put new wine in new wineskins. And nobody who drinks old wine wants new. I prefer the old, they say. This is the word of God for us today. Please grab a seat. The yellow pages were delivered to our house the other day and they went straight into the recycling bin. (laughs) Do they not know that we do not need these things anymore? I was talking about this the other week um, with Ella and Ella said all along her street on her morning walk there were these um, yellow pages still hanging on fence posts in their bags, unwanted, or hanging out of letterboxes, soggy, archaic, and extinct. Why are they unwanted? Why all over our city are yellow pages getting tossed away? Well, it's because they've been surpassed by technological progress, haven't they? Internet searches, Google profiles, and our smartphones being with us 24-7 have made the yellow pages, this yellow book, useless and extinct almost. Except for um, in Christian outreaches when the strong man rips them in half. Do you guys remember that one? Now, this has happened often in history. Planes have replaced ship liners. Uh, Cars replaced horse-drawn carriages. Um, MP3s replaced CDs, which replaced tapes, which replaced records. And just think about like the modern progress in your home when you go home today in your kitchen alone. Imagine a person from 150 years ago or 100 years ago, time traveling to today and going into your kitchen. They would think it's witchcraft. What do you mean you just hit that button and that thing boils the water in in two minutes? What do you mean you put that thing in there, hit some buttons for 30 seconds, and suddenly it comes out hot? What do you mean you put your dishes in there and walk away from them and they come out clean? Don't you have to stoke a fire? Don't you have to keep a wet back going? Don't you have to tend to a fire all day long to get heat and to cook? No, 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 we just flick the switch. This is all part of the progress of of development and technology, isn't it? We're surrounded by it every day in our lives. Our technological world is changing every day. It's progressing towards some sort of new future. And for some, stepping into new things is exciting, isn't it? You know who you are, early adopters. Those who seem to find everything that is new first, those who are on the leading edge of technological progress, those who are the first to make accounts for the new thing, you know who you are early adopters. But then we have the laggards. (laughs) Womp womp. Their name just conjures up failure, doesn't it? Laggard. These are those who prefer the traditional tried and true ways of doing things and adopting new things is is very hard. It's very challenging. They just want to do things the way they have always been and they're happy with the old. They're content with the way things have been going. And in the middle, we have change. And it's this change from an old way of doing something to a new way of doing something that is the crucial paradigm you need to carry as we talk about this text today. You need to see it right now, that as we unlock this and open up this this text of the story of Jesus, we are thinking about a critical moment of change. And so let me just connect this up today as we begin. Today's text is a conversation on feasting and fasting at the surface level. It's, it's taking place at a dinner table. Mainly, it's that Jesus is fasting, and, oh, sorry, Jesus is feasting, and he's feasting with the wrong people. 
those who are not very holy, and the Pharisees and the religious leaders are wondering why this so-called rabbi seems to be not concerned about that. He's not doing what rabbis usually do. He's off script. And he doesn't seem to be fasting. He doesn't seem to be doing the things, the practices that actually would mark and say, this is a signpost to say, this is what we're tracking towards. Now, to be clear here, Jesus did fast. The Gospels open up the fact that Jesus went on a 40-day fast out into the wilderness, and he would have had a regular pattern of fasting regularly, and he spoke of fasting. When you fast. So fasting's not the problem here. The problem here is not the feasting either. The problem here that these grumblers and laggards cannot see is that this is a moment of change. Look at it here in this next text. Jesus is pushing on. He's doing his redeeming work in the world. And that means that proximity and being with people is incredibly important. So he says, I'm placing myself with the sick. I'm placing myself here with those who need this. Proximity is so important. He's accused of feasting with sinners, of being with them. And so he says this beautiful phrase, well, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And I have come for those who are broken and unwell, those who want to have wholeness. The Pharisees still don't accept this. It's not the answer they wanted. So they press a little bit further. Well, the other disciples of the other rabbis and the other leaders, they're all fasting. You guys just seem to be eating all the time. Or in other words, your actions to us are not signaling to us the message that we want or the message that we're used to. You're tracking somewhere entirely different here as you do this. And so Jesus answers with another analogy. He offers another thing. He says, well, can you expect someone to fast when they're at something like a wedding? No, that's, that's a feast for crying out loud. When you're at a feast, you feast. Don't ask someone to fast at a feast. But one day, one day the reason for the wedding, the bridal party, they'll leave the room and it'll be time to fast again. And then Jesus flicks into what seems like a tangent. He offers two more parables. But these are actually cutting to the heart of this conversation today. These grumblers cannot see the new thing that God is doing. And he addresses it with two metaphors. One of cloth that shouldn't be patched, new cloth that shouldn't be patched to old cloth. And one of wine that shouldn't go into old wineskins. He, he uses the cloth metaphor, which has a particular lesson. You know, it's, it's common sense on one level, isn't it? You can't take a beautiful new piece of fabric and put it onto an old tatty piece of fabric. It's different. It's different. You've compromised the new one. You haven't necessarily improved the old one. And he says, and you, you can't, you know, the wine metaphor is really important. He's saying, if you don't have the right container, you're not going to have any wine. These metaphors contain a deeper level of conveying a message if you have the ears to hear. So may you have ears to hear today as we look at this text. If you just look at the surface of those analogies, it's like, oh yeah, some common sense. But there's actually something under the surface for us to attach to today. Jesus is saying, firstly, there is a new thing happening. It's breaking in and it's coming. 
Uh, N.T. Wright comments on this moment of these parables. He says, what Jesus is doing is putting into effect the new world that God is bringing about. And the old ways just don't fit. They're obsolete, not because they were bad in themselves, but because God's new age has new power, new possibilities, and new hope that simply weren't there before. So what are these new things? I mean, if you were to scan out a little bit and and look at the life of Jesus and just look at his teachings and try and get a couple of markers, there's a couple of big things. Firstly, a new gospel. In Mark 1.15, we see that Jesus came announcing a gospel and the gospel was, um, time is up, the kingdom of God is near, repent and see. Time is up, the time of the old prophets is done, the new thing is here, see it, turn your life towards it, turn all of your being towards it, let's go. Uh, Jesus spoke about a whole new way to be the people of God, that it would not just be the Israelites, but it would be all flesh. Jesus said that there would be a new temple, not just the building that's up on the mountain, but that it would become a living, breathing temple, the people of God, the church that was to come. I could name so many more, plenty more, but let's just leave it there. I'm trying to make the point. Jesus kept speaking about new stuff happening. Amen? With his first parable, Jesus is saying, you cannot have both the new and the old. He's saying you cannot just patch on that bit of that new work that Jesus is talking about, of God's spirit that's coming and is going to fill the church. You can't be both that and a Pharisee. You cannot live the life of freedom that is coming by the spirit and live by the law. It won't work. You cannot stay attached to this, is what he's saying to the Pharisees. You cannot have both this and that. It's got to be all of the new thing. And with his second parable, Jesus is saying, if you don't have the right ways of holding the work that is coming, you won't have it at all. God is about to pour out his new thing. And if you don't have the right means to hold it, you will lose what he will be pouring out. And that's a shame. That's a shame because people like good wine. That's the little bit of the end of the the parable. People like good wine, which is exactly what the Lord's pouring out. It's like good wine, but you won't have any. So get your containers organized. So what has that all got to do with today as we land our Come Holy Spirit series and we're on Pentecost Sunday? Why, why pick this as the text for today? I think because there's three crucial pieces that we need to pay attention to as we finish this series. Firstly, we are all invited to the renewing work of God. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is not an optional extra to patch on. Thirdly, you need the right containers. Am I preaching yet, church? Today, I want to just share a few words on each. We are all invited to the renewing work of God. Let's start there. We're all here because Jesus has invited us with the greatest question of life. Come, follow me. Which leaves all of us wondering if we will or won't. And he invites us to follow him into a new way. It's not just a set of beliefs it is a life to live. And this life with Jesus was always going to be that of being a person filled with the Spirit. That was always his intention. Jesus did not invite us to live a life of just trying harder. The same Spirit that had baptized him 
and that he walked with in relationship with and in power of was the spirit we were always meant to have too. So he has invited us to follow him, not unequipped, but he has offered empowerment to us as we walk into this new thing. We do not go alone. Hence Jesus' term over and over again, we looked at this a few weeks ago, of the paraclete, the guide, the companion, the one who walks with us and advocates with us. Jesus was 100% convinced he was the new temple. He was the dwelling place of God, the witness point for God into the world. And Jesus was 100% convinced that that is the archetype of his church. The church would replace the temple as a living temple. A group of people called the church who would be the same, filled with the presence of God to be on display as witnesses to the world for God. This was the pattern. This is the archetype. Today is Pentecost Sunday and we are reminded today, it's our moment like Christmas reminds us of the birth, like Easter reminds us of death and resurrection. Today reminds us that all of Jesus' promises of the Spirit were seen through. When he said, my peace I will give you, he gave it to the persecuted church. When he said, you will not go alone, signs and wonders accompanied them. In Acts, we see the early empowered church living into the new direction that Jesus had, living into the great unknown, living into this, this dark space of, we don't know what's gonna happen, but they went with their advocate. God's renewal work is fully in action in the church. It's not fully here as in his kingdom. His kingdom fully come will be the final sign sealed and delivered. But in his church, we get to taste the new work of God. And this has been the call on the church ever since. Come, come and join in the renewing work that Jesus Christ started and that a small ragtag bunch of people continued. And as the Spirit came upon them that Pentecost day, it started to flame up into world history. Come and hear the gospel that's being said from the future. Behold, I'm making all things new. The old is gone. The new has come. Come and be filled in the tension of those two places. A church alive and a gospel yet to come fully. People in the tension of the now and not yet. Living in this world as a living temple of a new thing. Secondly, if, if we are these people of the spirit, this new temple, then we don't just get to patch on a piece of that here and there. We don't get to just take a little bit as an optional extra. We are invited to a whole new way to see ourselves, to see our humanity, to see our purpose in the world, to see our very existence. And this is why the scriptures speak so much of turning towards the new thing. And, and, and the New Testament is stacked with a whole nother bunch of ways to say that. I, I, I just wanna show you just a few pictures that come to mind for me, even just in a quick I flick through my own mind, not even without getting out like a Bible concordance or anything like that. You know, Paul uses a few other images. He's, he says, put on new clothes in Colossians 3. He says, this is like putting on a whole new outfit for your life. 
Or he would say in Galatians, you know, live the new nature. Your old sinful nature is gone. It's been cut off. You are now invited into a new way to be, a new person to become, a new character to transform into. Your old undesired love, uh, misdesired loves are going to become redirected into good loves through the work of the Spirit. He talks about in Ephesians putting on new armor for this new battle, putting on a new set of things for this thing that we're at now at hand. And both Paul and Peter use a great image of this, a new family, a living temple that Christ is building and that the Spirit is filling. And, and, and every time you go to those passages, and you might like to just take a photo of that, and that could be your devotional time this week. Every one of them, I, I assure you, there's a key word in all of them. New. 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 It's echoes of what Jesus started. It's echoes of Pentecost. Come and taste the new thing. And these are images that, that the writers are using, Paul and Peter, to try and thicken up what has always been the invitation. Life with the Spirit. Come, come and live this new reality in God. Not with just one foot in and one foot out. Not with just a piece of the cloth sewn on. No, come and experience all of the newness. Put the whole garments on. Live in the new nature. Be fully immersed into the full family, the new family. This is Christianity 101, folks. This is the story. This is what the early church fully lived in. If they'd put up a website and had to figure out their mission statements, this is what it would say on that page. This is what we are all about. Living the new thing God is doing. Pete Hughes from KXC in London, he says this, the story you live in is the story you live out. And maybe for some of us today, or maybe it's been brewing all month, it's dawning on us. I just don't know if I have been seeing the story like that. Wow. Maybe you've been in church for years and there's something in the last month that's just been like pulling back layers in your heart going, wow. I've been seeing this a little stingily. We're not quite right. Oh, man. And the Lord has just been opening up his newness to you. Let me just tell you this. We live in the best story. The gospel is the best story. The gospel is the story, and it's called the good news. And so it should be good, shouldn't it? Pretty rubbish when it's called good news, and you're like, that's all right. It's good news. It's good news. Why? Because all of the earth is groaning. It's groaning under pain and suffering and sin. Can you feel it? All of creation is crying out, groaning. We're so broken. This is not working. Why can't we get to our destinations? Why can't we get there? We're trying so hard and we cannot get there. Why can't I fill this gap? We're lost. We're hopeless. Generations and generations and generations, centuries and centuries and centuries of this. But yet God loves his creation so deeply. He has acted. Jesus has come. Jesus has shown us the way to love and how to be loved and how to live love. Jesus has died as the suffering servant. He was buried, all hope gone, and he resurrected as new life into the world. That we may be able to say, man, he was not just a man. He was the Lord. 
He's the Lord. Oh, he's not just the carpenter. He's the Lord. And through Jesus, we have the taste. God is making all things new. Resurrection will come. It's bursting forth. And how do we taste it? We taste it by his spirit. We taste it by the spirit. The paraclete, the guide, the helper, the healer, the friend, the companion, who is never going to let us be alone in this journey. We live into God's renewal story. And as we live in that story, as we make ourselves home at home in that story, and as we start to exercise walking in that story, it becomes like new clothes that we put on. Or we find ourselves with a new family, a whole new group of people to call brothers and sisters. Or our disordered loves get redirected into something of more beauty and renewed a little bit more into a new nature. God is renewing all things. That's the gospel. That's the story. So don't just patch a little bit on. Come, be immersed into the fullness of the reality of that. Third point today, you need the right containers. When Jesus taught on these new wineskins, the heart of the matter of that teaching is this. If you pour new wine into old wineskins, they break. And then you lose the wine too. So to keep the wine, you need the right container. You need the right vessel. Today's Pentecost Sunday. It's a day of the new wine being poured into the church. You know, sometimes I hear people saying like, you know, like, oh, this is the new wine moment coming. We've got to get our new wineskins ready. I'm like, hey man, like just remember it already happened too. Pentecost, Acts chapter two, the new wineman. That's the fulfillment right there. Yeah, we're living in the echo of that. We're living in the story of that. We're living in the same movement of that. But just don't forget the promise was signed, sealed and delivered and the spirit coming in the church. It's happened. We don't have to strive. It's happened. We can ease in. So I want to propose that there's three things that we just need to check on today on Pentecost Sunday as we think about having the right containers. So we think about having the right containers. Okay, so here's three things. The first thing is our bodies. And by body, I literally mean you. Your whole self sitting right where you are, feeling the chair under your bum. You taking a breath. You thinking, where is he going with this? You, thinking about lunch. You, suddenly thinking about that email. You, maybe resting. Or you, maybe feeling a bit agitated. You. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about your body. I'm talking about the fact that you can feel yourself right now. Because you are a body. You are a soul. You are you. Let me echo the words we have sat in for so many years now. These words kind of haunt me in my own life with God. These are the words from St. Paul in Corinthians. He says, Do you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You know, we just keep hitting the drum of this in this church, that we are not to be dualistic, we're not to be Gnostic, we're not to kind of think that like our body is one thing and our spirit's another or anything like that. We're also, we're not, we're meant to live in this unified whole. And we can go, my body is part of my spirituality. My spirituality is part of my body. I am the temple of God. The spirit has come to fill me. I am a living temple. You, your body is a container. You, your soul is a container. 
You, your mind is a container. You, your living, your loving, your thinking, your moving, it is a container of the Spirit of God. And so how is your life with your body? Is your, is your body involved in your life with God? Is your body playing its part? You know, like, this could be things like where the psalmist says, I lift my hands to you in holy prayer in the sanctuary. It's body talk. Could it be things like, I hunger and I thirst for God, the living God. It's body talk. Could it be things like, are you living a life set apart, consecrated and holy with what you do sexually? What you do with your abusive behaviors? What you do with your destructive substances that you could consume? It's your body. It's your body. Do you open your body up to regularly being a place that is filled with God's spirit? Holding out hands in prayer, stilling your body rather than rushing, closing your eyes, taking a couple of deep breaths and saying, come Holy Spirit, come and fill me in the middle of this loud city amongst all of the weight I carry. Come and bring your peace. It's body talk. Secondly, our patterns. Our patterns. And by this, I'm talking about our regular rhythms of practices. You know, if you were to pick up your Bible this week and read a gospel, say you were to read Luke from cover to cover this week and look for one thing. The one thing being, how did Jesus do this? How did he do his life with God? I think something you would notice quite quickly, only several chapters in, is Jesus had a rhythm of retreating away and then coming back. He retreated away and he came back. He withdrew, he re-engaged. He lived with a rhythm. He had a rhythm like breathing in and breathing out. He got away and he served. Do you have a rhythm of habits? Do you breathe in? That you may breathe out. Do you have the secret place, which no one else knows about, that is just you with the audience of one, with God? How is your quiet time? Now, I'm not saying this to say I'm about to start getting legalistic on you. I'm asking, this is a container. How is your quiet time? How's your journal? Has your journal got pages filling up? Or do you not even have one? You're like, oh, I'm not a journaler, Dan. Okay, that's cool. Have you got a friend you're talking to? Externally processing with? A prayer buddy? A companion on the journey? How's your silence, your solitude, and your prayer? Have you tried fasting? Going hungry for a day, once a week, to regularly say, God, I want to hunger and thirst for you? Have you got a rhythm you're living with? Do you have a worship playlist on your Spotify that gets played a little bit more than Harry, St uh, Harry Styles and watermelon sugar or whatever that is and turnstile and the latest hardcore band like do you have a worship playlist that gets more plays again not 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 for legalism i'm not saying hey you need to try harder i'm saying have you got these containers so, i love the way richard foster talks about disciplines he says you the goal of the christian life is not simply to get us into heaven but to get heaven into you to get heaven into you 
And so we practice disciplines and practices in this church of following Jesus because that's what we're making space for. They are containers. They're not to impress God. They're so God may impress himself into us. They're a committed time and a place and an action that we say yes to. They are a container. They are a container. And so how are your patterns and your practices as you regularly outwork life with the Spirit? What are they? If we were to have coffee tomorrow and I was to say, so tell me a space you have in your life every week where you're practicing life with the Spirit. What, what would come to mind? What would you talk about? Where is that place? Maybe you need to find one. Or maybe you've got one and it's been dormant and you need to bring it back. But our practices are our containers. So our bodies are our containers. Our practices, our patterns are our containers. Lastly, community. Uh, every Sunday we hold this gathering. Every Sunday we get together and we do this. Why? Because, well, one of the reasons is because we think this is a container. As we worship and as we come to the table, as we connect, as we learn, as we pray, we, we experience a moment together, being corporately together, gathered together. I come to church every week, and I have done since I was about 14. My list of missing church is a very short list. I'm a pastor's kid, granted. I've worked for churches since I was 20, granted. I am paid to be here, granted. But you know what? If I wasn't paid to be here, hand on heart, I'd be here every week. I'd be here every week. Because I believe it's a container. Not because I have to. Please, again, do not hear me. I'm not beating legalism on your, your head today. I'm not trying to say that. I'm trying to say, look at the beauty of these places. This is a container. I see the life of the Spirit here. I come here every week to have a big drink of life in the Spirit with you. And if I wasn't paid to be here, I'd be here every week. Because you're my family, and I love this container. We have another important container of community in this church. It's our circles. A small group, a dozen people. A group of people that we're doing life deeper with than just sitting here on Sunday. Again, I love this, but man, I love my circle. Uh, we're in a circle in our local neighborhood with some good friends that we live with and a bunch of people who are becoming good friends that we live nearby. Every Wednesday, we get together at Holly and Leon's house. Holly and Leon, Do you all know that Holly's ex 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 um, expecting a baby, by the way? That's pretty good news, right? She's amazing. We're a group of misfits. Every Wednesday we show up at Holly and Leon's Lounge and the only thing we actually all have in common is the fact that we live in the neighborhood. We have different thoughts about things, a bunch of different opinions about things. We're in different life stages. Some of us have got kids. Some of us are annoyed by kids. <laughs> some of us are having kids. Some people are still, um, you know, Figuring out their lives. Some people have grounded their lives. The other thing that brings us together is that Christ has brought us together. His spirit has brought us together and is bringing us together. And so my circle every Wednesday night is a place not just to encounter some friendship or some connection or a group of people or a good cup of tea and some good biscuit chat. We do have a lot of good biscuit chat at our circle. I'm there because it's a life of the spirit thing. It's a container. It's a container. 
And so I offer these to you today just to consider. Again, all of this is just invitation and thought. But consider the containers that you have of community. And consider the true and hard reality of community is this. The more you come, the more you receive. You have to be present to community. You have to be there. You have to show up. The more you are there, the more the container holds. And so those are the three containers that I just want to pass on to you today to think about as New Testament Bible-believing Christians. There's a whole series in just all of that stuff. But I think it's a thought to continue to think about. Which containers do I have for life with the Spirit? How is my body? How are my patterns? How is my community? We've been on a journey for the month of exploring this three-word prayer, Come Holy Spirit. This important prayer of desire that has been at the heart of the church since Pentecost Sunday. We talked about that for the first two weeks of the series, how this was the catalyst of the life of the church right here. And everything that I have said to you today, everything I've tried to convey has been this. How, how do we walk in the Spirit? How do we do it? How do we continue from here? How do we keep on going? Well, let me summarize this. Firstly, I think we have to become utterly convinced fully believing, fully engaged, that yes, Jesus has come and invited me to follow him. And his invitation has been, come and do as I do. See as I see. Move as I move. Come, have your moving and your being in me. And in that, in that, we will start to see a new thing. We'll see a new thing. I think we have to become utterly convinced that Jesus is doing a new thing in the world. And secondly, we are invited to go all in on that. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, baptizing them. Baptism means full immersion, fully in. And we've been carefully trying to just gently turn the dials up a little bit around here and saying, this is where we want to keep tracking as people who are alive in God. But I'm just here to say again, the agenda is this. We want to be all in people. And you might be like on the edge and that's okay. You're allowed to be on the edge, but we are going to keep being all in people. Seeking the things of his spirit, his life with us, the new things and the things he's taking us towards. And that might get uncomfortable. That might get a little bit like, oh. But that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to keep leaning in just as we have. We're not going to look much different. But with that desire turned up. And finally, because we're going to go all in, we need to consider our containers. We need to think about our containers. As we walk the days of our life with the Spirit of God, what is the container that is holding your life with God? How is your body? How are your patterns? How is community? Now, I've thrown a lot of stuff at you today, but I want to invite you to, to, to stand. And I just want to make a quiet space for the end of today's gathering for us just to take to heart what we've been thinking about and hearing this morning. But my benediction to you as you stand is this. As you, why don't you just take a moment to maybe close your eyes, you know, pull your shoulders back a little bit, just make sure you're not sort of disengaged, but just engage yourself. 
You might like to hold your hands up in front of you like you're offering yourself to God as a posture with your hands lifted in front of you. And let me speak the benediction over you today in that posture. May you turn and believe the good news, the wonderful story that God is making all things new. May you go all in. May you find the right containers to hold the new wine that's poured out. May you live and breathe and have your being in the Spirit of God. As we finish today, I'm just aware that the Holy Spirit will just gently bring to our hearts, to our minds, some of the big moments of today. And so I just want to invite you for 30 seconds, we're going to keep the place silent. And in keeping it silent, we want to just gently start to ask the Spirit of God, what have you said to me? Maybe today you're just visiting for the first time. It's just today, what have you said to me, Lord? Maybe you've been here all month, every Sunday. What have you said to me over the month? But just ask the Spirit to come. Come, Holy Spirit, we want you here. Come and speak to us again. thoughts are wandering, just say that beautiful prayer again, come Holy Spirit, just come back. Lord, for the thoughts that are being planted in us right now, the things that we're mulling on, thinking about, the things we're capturing, the things that we're trying to grab hold of. Lord, plant them in in our heart like good seeds that would be a good fruit. As we've just thought about the many things that have kind of come around during this series, would you plant them in our hearts that would be a good fruit. We have a podcast and you're welcome to just go back and listen to anything you've missed. But today I I sense that uh, to finish this gathering, on Pentecost Sunday. I've just been sitting in Psalm 24 for the last couple of days and um, uh, Kushla, one of our uh, prayer and intercessory people in our CV prayer group also posted a thing uh, yesterday about some similar themes to this. So I just go, I'm going to lean in and see if the Lord might have something for us together with this. In Psalm 24 it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to Him. For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and he built it on the ocean depths. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it is his. The psalmist then says, So who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure. Only those whose hands and hearts are pure.
those who do not worship false idols or those who tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing. They will have right relationship with God, their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. And I, I spoke earlier about just going all in. And I just wonder, a little bit like last week, you know, for some of us, this could be a moment of just saying yes to that. And so I want to call you and say, Central Vineyard, the most important thing about us in this season is that we're consecrated people. Consecrated people leaning in to, as that psalm says, people who are not compromising on being the people of God with our best intentions. Holy hearts, pure hands. And I don't know what's going on for you and I don't know the way your life looks. But I just sense this morning, I've had a heavy burden in my heart all morning and actually since Friday when I've been praying for this moment. But there's just some of us and we just need to come to this middle of the room, just where the communion table is, the table of mercy, and as a symbol of that place in our middle, as if, as if Christ is here. You might need to just come, hold your hands up and say, God, clean me. Make me pure. Make me holy. Because I want to climb your mountain and I want to be in your holy place. I want to be a good container. I want my body to be a good container. I want my patterns to become good patterns. I want my community to experience a good version of me. And so I don't know if that's you. I don't know if no one will come forward. I don't know if a bunch of you are going to come forward. But I do sense that the work of the Spirit this morning is that for some of us, we are consecrating ourselves today. We're saying yes to that. And so just in the stillness of the end of this gathering on Pentecost Sunday, do you want to come? If you want to come, just come. Come to the middle. Come to the middle and stand and just turn your heart towards Jesus. There's, you know, there's nothing special about coming forward other than that your body is involved. And you have to walk and come and place yourself that your heart may follow. You have to come and place yourself as a prophetic act to say, Lord, I'm not going to stay quiet and hidden. I'm going I'm to come and reveal who I am. I'm going to be known. I'm going to be seen but I'm seen in love, I'm seen in trust, I'm seen in care because the Father loves you. The Father cares for you. The Father desires you. And so if you want to come and finish Pentecost Sunday with us today, just asking that the Lord may make of you a pure heart and clean hands, why don't you come? Come and join the beautiful people who already have come. Just come. Donald, do you want to just sing a little bit and we'll just see where this goes for a few moments just come that's it beautiful thank you guys God bless you God bless you as you come bless you as you come bless you as you come Central Vineyard prayers you know who you are you were there on Monday night you might have been at the circle thing a couple of weeks ago you might lead a circle you might be in our prayer group this is your moment this is, this is why you can come to church today to be in this community and to gather around people now, as we pray for people, a couple of rules, okay? I want you to decrease that he may increase. Nothing weird. Just keep it focused on what the Lord is doing with the people that you're ministering to. Treat them with dignity and care. They've come forward for a very vulnerable thing today. Treat them with care and love. No prophesying or speaking about births, deaths, and marriages. Keep it clean. Keep it hopeful and encouraging. 
But come and see what the Lord's doing. Come and see what the Lord's doing. Come on, CB prayers. You know who you are. Some of our elders in the room, this is your time to shine. Holy Spirit flame, burn in us again. Baptize us, immerse us, fill us again. Yeah, fill us. Lord, we bless your gentle and beautiful work in hearts today. We bless your gentle.